Welcome to Heartland for Children's Let's Talk About It podcast, where we provide education and resources for family matters in Polk, Highlands, and Hardy counties. We're so glad that you've joined us. So now, let's talk about it. Hello and welcome to Heartland for Children's Let's Talk About It podcast. My name is Natalia Clemens. I'm the Community Engagement Specialist here at Heartland for Children. And I am here today with Tanya Akwete. She is the Community Outreach Manager for Healthy Start Coalition of Polk Highlands and Hardy Counties. Welcome, Tanya. Thank you for having me. So this month we are talking about safe sleep. So we've invited Tanya from Healthy Start to come and educate us. But we want to get to know you first, Tanya. So tell us a little bit about yourself and just your background before coming to Healthy Start. (laughs) Wow. Believe it or not, I do not like talking about myself. However, since you've asked the question, I'll just go ahead and give it to you all. Um, I am originally from Valdosta, Georgia. I've only been in Polk County for 12 years now. I moved here right after graduate school. I received my master's in public health with a concentration in community health education from Armstrong Atlantic University in 2010, I think. It's been a long time. And I have two beautiful kids, an eight-month-old, Emily, and a nine-year-old, Emmanuel, and I allowed him to name his sister, so. Uh Uh-huh, eight months already. Already, already. Oh my goodness, time flies. (laughs) Super fast. Wow, so what do you enjoy doing with your family? We enjoy traveling. We all have our passports. Uh, We just got back from an international cruise. We uh, went to Honduras and Mexico and Costa Maya, and we enjoy sushi. Ooh, okay. And we enjoy just being around each other. And so the kids came with? Yes, of course. And you're traveling with the kids? Like, how does that work? You, you know? just take them. You just and <laughs> you just breathe through it. You just you just breathe through it. You just it. breathe. Yes. Are there any tips that you can give us for traveling internationally with children? Um, make sure you have everything that you need <laughs> readily available, including your breasts. Since <laughs> August, it's... National Breastfeeding Awareness Month. There you go. That's right. That's right. Because didn't you have to breastfeed the entire time on the cruise? I did. I did. And so we are still eight months going strong. She's a healthy little girl. She's 18 pounds now. So. Oh, that's so good. Well, I'm so glad you're here. I'm excited to talk about safe sleep. you know, when we're talking about safe sleep, it seems like some common knowledge. It feels like, okay, you know, you put, you, we have things that we're educating our families about safe sleep, but you know, what are some of the barriers? So first of all, let's start off educating what it is, what it means to have safe sleep. So what are the ABCs? Because I I hear that term a lot. It seems like an easy, like here are the ABCs, here's how you set it up. What are the ABCs of sleeping? Okay, so this was created in Tennessee. Actually, they did a statewide uh, initiative to promote safe sleep from the hospitals to the clinics, everywhere across the state. And so the ABCs are alone, which is the A, Mm -hmm. on their back, which is the B, in their crib for every sleep. Not just nap time or nighttime, every sleep. And that is because we see babies not reaching their first birthday due to unsafe sleep practices. Okay. Okay. Um, So when I became a new mom, there were so many things on the market, so many cute, like, bumpers for the crib, (laughs) 
I mean, these gorgeous blankets. I feel like I got like about five different blankets. So when you're when we're talking about safe sleep, you know, how do we, as a as a new parent, with all these things being marketed to us, how am I supposed to approach this? So what are some things that like you would tell those new mothers? Okay, great question. I just want to reiterate back to the ABCs of safe sleep. The purpose of the ABCs is for our families, whether it's our circles of influence, whether it's ourselves, whether it's the people we teach, mm -hmm. to have a quick conversation. You only get 20 seconds in the elevator, so it's like your elevator speech. Yeah. And so a long back crib for every sleep. And that's probably, what, two seconds to say? So that's the purpose of why they wanted to streamline the message so that people can remember it. And then, I don't want to say it's a mnemonic, but mm -hmm. the ABCs, you hear it and you're always thinking about it. Yeah. But to answer your next question, um, always follow the American Academy of Pediatric Recommendations mm -hmm. when it comes to any sleep position, whether or you're buying the products or you're going to these baby showers or if you're a new parent. And so some of those recommendations are there should be nothing in the crib. Mm -hmm. So you don't need to buy blankets for okay. these beds. Mm -hmm. You don't need to buy stuffed animals because they don't want stuffed animals in there as well. Right. Uh, the President Biden this year, uh, 2021, passed the Safe Sleep Act, which bans the sales of bumper pads. Mm. and inclined sleepers oh, wow. for the nation. I didn't know that. Yes, so it is called the uh, Safe, I wanna get it correctly, Safe Sleep Act of 2021. And you know, it's a um, House Bill, HR 3182. Okay. And once again, that bans the bumper pads from being sold in the crib and inclined sleepers because they saw that there's a correlation between sleep-related deaths and those products. Okay, so let's talk about these sleep-related deaths because there, what's the difference between SIDS and sleep-related deaths uh, because of something that was in the crib or something, some other item that may have caused su suffocation? Because there is a difference, right? Yes, there is. Okay. So SIDS is Sudden Infant Death Syndrome there's no known causes. Like they cannot fi find or identify why the baby or the infant passed away. Okay. That's when they identify or classify it as a SIDS death. However, the new connotation is SUIDS, S-U-I-D-S, okay. Sudden Unexpected Infant Death Syndrome. And that's when SIDS falls up under it, um, metabolic issues, uh, genetic issues, all of, it's like the top tier mm -hmm. and everything else trickle down. So sleep-related deaths are under suits. And there are five or four to five main forms of sleep-related death. Mm -hmm. The first one is overlay. Um, that is when an uh, adult or a child is sharing the same sleep surface with an infant mm -hmm. and they roll over on the baby, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So that is overlay, a form of a sleep-related death. Okay. Then we have entrapment. That is when, if you go into some settings, the infant is not in a crib, mm -hmm. a safety-approved crib, which is their own bed. They're on the adult-sized bed, mm -hmm. and the bed is pushed up against the wall, and they roll, or they crawl, right. or they are stuck between yeah. the wall and the bed. That's entrapment, another form of sleep-related death. Mm -hmm. Then they have entanglement, and you go in some of these homes, and they have the blinds. We had a case here many years ago, and the, the infant got um, 
wrapped up in the mm -hmm. cord of the blind. Probably because the crib and was super close to the window. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So they, they tangled themselves up in the cord. And so that's entanglement, another form of a sleep-related death. Okay. And the fourth one is suffocation. That's the prominent one. That's the common one that most people know about. And that is when a foreign object precludes or over the, the baby's mouth. So whether it's a blanket, mm -hmm. clothes, pillows, um, stuffed animals, any of those things that can stop the baby from breathing can, can cover their face. And so you have suffocation, entrapment, entanglement, and overlay. Yeah. And then the fifth one, which is under suits, but it's no known causes, is SIDS. Okay. So back in the day, they was like, oh, that's just a crib death, or oh, that's mm -hmm. just SIDS. But now they do things such as autopsies. Yeah. They take the medical history, meaning any organization that came in contact with that family or that baby, they get those records. So we, I'm gonna say a little pause here for case managers, make sure you document, mm -hmm. always document, 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 because they pull those notes and those records. Yeah. So you have an autopsy, you have the um, medical history, and they go and do the, the death scene investigation. So they're mm -hmm. asking the family, well, how did you sleep the baby? Mm -hmm. And all of those three components has shown why it's not no longer SIDS death, but sleep-related deaths that falls up under suits. So, so you've probably come in contact with families who've experienced this kind of tragedy. Um, what are the common things that they are saying, you know, maybe they did learn about some prevention techniques, but what were they saying that like, well, here's why we did what we did, or, you know, what, what are some of the reasons why families may not choose to do the ABCs? Okay, so, great question. That's a phenomenal question. The reason a lot of families still choose to co-sleep, which is sleeping with their babies, or put the babies on their stomachs, or put items in the crib with the mm -hmm. baby, is because nobody ever fears that it'll happen to them. Mm. Right. But one thing I teach and train and educate our community is that infant death can cross all groups of people. It doesn't matter if you're rich, poor, black, white, red, or yellow. Mm -hmm. You can experience a tragedy such as an infant death. Yeah. And so we want to dispel some of those reasons why. Some of the reasons as to go further in your question. Oh, I did it with all my other kids. Right. But do you want baby number four to not reach their first birthday right. when it could have been prevented. Because mm -hmm. we've been taught and educated that sleep-related deaths oftentimes are 100% preventable. Mm. When you're doing the research, when you're going into that medical history, when you're doing the autopsy, and when you're doing the crime scene investigation or the death scene investigation, mm -hmm. they're, they're preventable. So that's one of, oh, I did it with all my other kids. Oh, my mom said it was okay, which is grandmother. Yeah. And so we have to educate grandmother to say, when you did it with me, mommy, it was okay. But now research has evolved and improved. Mm -hmm. And so not to say what you did back in the 80s and the 90s was wrong. Mm -hmm. We just want to say that it has evolved. It's grown. There's more uh, information out there. Yeah. So you want to bring and the grandparents. Resources. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I remember I heard yes. like, oh, we just put the baby in a drawer of the dresser because yes. that's all we had. Yes, and it was safer. It's safer than a big bed with mm -hmm. the pillow top mattresses right. and right. blankets. Right. Yes, yeah. yes, but yes, But now yes. there are resources if you don't have accessibility to a crib or pack and play, there are resources, there are organizations that can help families. But yeah, no, yes. but you're right. Yes. You're right. So that's back to what you said. 
I did it with my other kids. Mm-hmm. Grandparents said it was okay. Uh, culturally, we we have different um, environments and different backgrounds think mm-hmm. it's okay because once again, I did it with everybody else. Yeah. And you take that pause and you're thinking, everything's gonna be fine. And then you wake up and the baby doesn't wake up with you. Right, I, I remember being, and this isn't just new mothers, because this is new caregivers, this is new foster parents. These are people who are having, who have a child in their home for the first time, um, and you're getting to know that child and their sleep schedule. And my firstborn son, oh my goodness, uh, and we did everything. <laughs> we barely slept. I mean, we took, we read uh, the the happiest baby on the block. Yes. And we were just. Dr. Sh- Harvey Carp, yes. Yep. You know, shaking the baby, trying to just please go to sleep. We just want a, a solid three hours. That's all we want. So I remember thinking the only place he enjoys is the bouncer. This was the, the bouncer. If we just keep him bouncing the whole time, he'll, he'll fall asleep. But you can't leave a baby in a bouncer. You can't leave or the car seat. Uh, if I just drive with the baby, the baby will fall asleep, and then we'll go around the block a few times, <laughs> and then we'll come home and we'll transfer the baby, but you're afraid to transfer the baby because they've fallen asleep finally. So addressing, in your training, <laughs> do you talk about some of this? Yes, so speaking of training, uh, I am a certified safe baby trainer, which covers four components to prevent preventable infant deaths. And one of the, the components is how to promote safe sleep. Okay. And so, we don't ever want to wake a sleeping baby in your scenario. However, when they're in the car seat and they're slouched over, they close their airway and hence they can't breathe. And when they can't breathe, they go into deeper sleep. And so then you want to wake them up, but they're not going to wake. Yeah. And so this is not to scare families, but this is just to follow the American Academy of Pediatric Recommendations to say this is not a firm, safe, sleep Mm -hmm. surface the baby's in a car seat the baby's supposed to be in a crib alone on their back for every sleep yeah so what are some other common barriers so i've heard things like um bringing a bottle into the bed uh because you know that when they have that last meal they're just going to drift right up you know into sleep have you heard about that one yes and then they put cereal in it so it makes them even sleepy sleepier um it's not recommended. Okay. And I hate to keep saying, I feel like I'm the yeah. the crib patrol person, but you get to these situations yeah. and one thing that sticks out is infant death crosses all groups of people. Mm-hmm. I want that, if nothing else to resonate with this podcast today, is that it doesn't matter who you are. Case in point, I'm a certified safe baby trainer mm-hmm. and I experienced almost an unsafe sleep death. Mm. I was um, a new mom. Okay. And my son was three months old and we were breastfeeding mm-hmm. and I fell asleep. Right. Common. And this is a common thing. Yes. And I he rolled over and he was wedged or trapped entrapment between the crib mm-hmm. and my bed. Mm-hmm. And I'm a hard sleeper. Mm. And it's by the grace of our father in heaven mm. who woke me up because it was just him and I in the home. Yeah. And he was screaming and he I don't know how long he had been crying. And he was wedged vertically. Mm. So he was head down. So all of his, everything was flowing the wrong direction. So it wasn't like he was upright. He was downright. And I grabbed him. And from that day forward, that's what made me more vocal and passionate about safe sleep. Because I'm out here teaching this information. Right. 
Right. Yeah. And not adhering to it. Mm -hmm. that's, and, a, that's a big thing, a component about this, that there isn't, there isn't shame. There is the hope and desire for education because this is 100% preventable. Um, that as a community, we're providing resources to prevent this, understanding that there is grief and there is loss involved in this. Exactly, exactly. And I'm so thankful. That's been almost nine and a half years ago, but mm -hmm. it's still like it was yesterday. Right. But to answer your question and to get into that part of sleeping the baby with the bottle, mm -hmm. it is not recommended. Once again, I cannot stress enough, we always follow the American Academy of Pediatric Recommendations because it takes the liability off of me as a certified safe baby trainer. But as a parent, you, you want to get the right information. Mm -hmm. And they're accredited, they're evidence-based, and it's approved information. As a matter of fact, they just came out with new guidelines and it's been six years since they brought out new ones. So that's okay. how important yeah. safe sleep is to our nation and to our providers, our doctors, our physicians, people at the table to make sure our families get the information. With a bottle, oftentimes the baby, the bottle is on the side, mm -hmm. they're slept on their stomachs mm -hmm. after they've been fed. And science shows that they aspirate mm -hmm. from the, the, the babies we've seen that don't make it to their first birthday. The aspirated food comes up their esophagus. It goes against their uh, trachea which is the breathing tube and on the top of it has epiglottis which is mm -hmm. you <clears throat> you do all of that yeah. to show like you you know your body's working right way yeah and it comes out their mouth and they're face down mm -hmm. in the wrong position yeah. the unrecommended position and they're inhaling the carbon dioxide from gotcha. the aspirated food and carbon dioxide is a is a gas that puts you in a deeper sleep gotcha and so as the babies who just had that bottle they're already face down because that's how they've been taught and trained to sleep. Mm -hmm. They've spit up because no one burped them properly mm -hmm. because you don't wake a sleeping baby. No. And <laughs> Until now. And they're, they're <laughs> inhaling the carbon dioxide from yeah. the aspirated uh, milk of food content that they had. Yeah. And research is showing and science is showing that it puts them in a deeper sleep. And so when you go to these homes and you do the crime scene investigation, mm -hmm. you ask mom, where did you sleep the baby? how did you sleep the baby or dad mm -hmm. or grandma and they say oh they slept right here and you'll see the puddle mm. where they aspirated yeah. or when you see the pictures they have a discoloration around their mouth mm -hmm. hence the inhalation of the carbon right. dioxide it's from an, it. it's an obvious where it was from and it was from that bottle exactly feeding. gotcha yeah. so other common like other common mistakes or barriers um, I've heard of uh, even unrelated to the sleep or relate, but it's actually something that someone in the family is doing, smoking, smoking in the home. Yes. So tell me about why this is, what, what's, what does that have to do with So sleep? they do not want any smoking or alcohol usage around the baby because they're breathing in. So once again, the smoke, the nicotine, the effects from smoking, it's not good for the baby because it puts them once again in a bad sleep mm -hmm. environment. And when they're in a bad sleep environment, they may not wake mm -hmm. up. And so they recommend for families that do smoke, smoke outside the home. Mm -hmm. Have a process in place because, you know, behavior changes are hard. Yeah. And so we want don't want to condemn our families that do have smokers. We want to educate them. So have a process or a plan in place. And sometimes that plan and process include you change your clothes mm -hmm. before you interact with the baby. You take a shower 
before you interact with the baby. So not to, cause it's a behavior that's hard to break. Right. So, okay, you're smoking, you're doing prod, um, an activity that we know you've been trying years to break. Mm -hmm. Let's make sure we put this barrier in place so that we can have the baby reach his first birthday. Yeah. Because the first year of life of an infant is the most critical. Gotcha. You see, that's why we go big for these first birthdays because it was so hard to get them to that point. Mm -hmm. But have a process, don't smoke in the environment because mm -hmm. it interferes with the baby's breathing. Remember, they're still developing. Yeah. And we know what smoking does to adult bodies. Can you imagine the little infant's body? So change your clothes, take a bath, yeah. and do it outside gotcha. if you have to at all. Um, one of the questions I had for you, I, I've seen, so this is, let's move into co-sleeping. Okay. So I, on the market, I've seen a lot of people um, purchase these like co-sleep beds that you can have in the middle. So what's wrong with those? Why can't we, why, why isn't that a safe co-sleeping method? Because <sighs> oftentimes, okay, and this is a real scenario. We had a family that had a co-sleeping environment such that you described. However, a pillow, fell in the bed with okay. the baby and the baby suffocated. Just a pillow. Just a pillow. Wasn't even a person. Wasn't even a person. Interesting. And think about it. The baby's in its own sleep environment. Yeah. But it's still in the bed. And you know how some people have lots of pillows on their bed. Mm -hmm. And so that was one scenario. Then we had another case where the baby was not in the own sleep environment in the bed. It was next to the bed. And the pillow um, fell off the bed into the crib the as well. The ones that are hanging off the side? Yes. Or even a bassinet too close to the bed. Gotcha. So we want to educate our families to not, if you're going to sleep the baby safely, the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends in the room, but not in the bed for okay. every sleep and what up to a year. What about if I need to breastfeed in the middle of the night? I'm tired, well, Tanya. I'm tired. Natalia. I haven't slept. <laughs> And this baby will just, you know, it'll just lay right next to me and I can breastfeed. What about, what's wrong with that? Oftentimes, <laughs> and if you've breastfed before, our breastfeeding moms know, it puts the mom in a sleep. It's, the hormones are released mm -hmm. and it makes us more calm and sleepier. Mm -hmm. So the recommendation is to set a timer on your phone okay. so that you don't go to sleep. Yeah. I guess more importantly, get out of the bed. <laughs> I probably should have said that. Yeah. But get in a firm uh, surface area. Yeah. I wouldn't even recommend the uh, the the seats, the chairs, mm -hmm. because you're rocking, you're nursing, mm -hmm. and you fall asleep. Yeah. Your hand falls, mm -hmm. the babies, right. wherever, right. you know. So we recommend sit on the floor. Mm. Moms that fall asleep in the bed, because they're breastfeeding, it's the golden hour. Mm -hmm. We want them to have the support system. So if you're there, Oftentimes you'll fall back asleep. Get your uh, significant other or your child or someone to make sure you don't fall asleep yeah. or to do the, the sit there with you and talk to you to keep you alert while you're breastfeeding. Gotcha. So you have, you've been training for a while <laughs> and you've been working with families, caregivers, parents, new parents. Um, what are the common things that they say in your trainings that you've heard over the years? Uh, so. I'm just curious. <laughs> I'm going to do this my way. <laughs> like, parents are vocal. Mm -hmm. And you have to remind them, like, in the way I remind them is that I'm not here to condemn you. Mm -hmm. I'm just here to give you the new information and the safest information as of today. Yeah, based on what the research is showing 
from across the board what's going on with our babies before their first birthday, why are we having issues with unexpected deaths, and here are some of the correlations. We're just giving you the information. Exactly, exactly. Gotcha. So people are like, oh, that's not gonna happen to me. Or they sleep better when they're on their stomach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they do, but that is not recommended. Babies aren't supposed to sleep for extended periods of time, et cetera. Um, my mama did it with me. My daddy did it with me, I'm okay. Or, you know, you hear all types of things. The doctor said it was okay. Believe it or not, there's some physicians out there that still give incorrect, non-evidence-based information to our families, and they follow it. Or okay. we have some groups out there that just push back. Yeah. I'm going to sleep with my baby. I'm going to do it. And yeah. that's it. So I just am knowledgeable. I just get the new information. I share it with a smile. I tell them I'm here. Mm -hmm. You know, because you want to treat everybody with respect. Absolutely. Even when they're going to resist you. And sometimes if there's a cultural or a language or some type of barrier, mm -hmm. I'll pull someone else in that can relate more with that family or that individual. Right. Um, because it's happening, Natalia. Yeah. It's it, happening. It in really Polk is. County alone, we had 10 babies die a sleep-related death in 2020. Okay. In Highlands County, we had two. And in Hardy, we didn't have any in 2020. Okay. However, all of those could have been prevented. Absolutely. So going into more of the research and stats and what we're seeing across the board um, here in, in, in our area in Circuit 10, what are, what are some of the reasons that you're seeing? What are, and then what are some of the things that Healthy Start is doing to prepare and research for looking at these trends? Excellent question. So I one of my roles is the fetal infant mortality review in FEMA. And so we get all the death certificates in the Tri-County Circuit 10 area and we look through them and we pull out the important information. All of it's important, but we pull out the cause of death. We pull out the zip code because we want to know if there's a trend going on. Mm -hmm. We pull out the ethnicity or race because we do want to see. We understand that um, African-American babies are more predisposed to dying before any other groups of uh, babies and for many factors, mm -hmm. whether it's uh, access to care, whether it's transportation, um, other social determinants of health such as housing. Mm -hmm. We had a, a family in our FEMA project out of Duval County mention that they slept with their baby African-American family because they was in an unsafe neighborhood and they were scared that a bullet would go through the wall mm -hmm. and kill their baby, hence why they co-slept. Mm -hmm. So we understand these factors and at the coalition where we're working through, we have a new graduate student who's um, working on her master's in public health, Ms. Damaria, and she's gonna get it all together and yeah. put, it, put it together so that we could get some reports out in the community yeah. because the numbers are there. Yeah. And we wish we could get some of that qualitative information. But once a mom or a dad have experienced a loss to get them to talk about it. That's really tough. After they've learned that it was preventable, yeah. it's hard. But that would be the second phase of utilizing the data is to put some stories, that qualitative information with the quantitative because we have the numbers. We yeah. just want to see the faces. 
So what are some of the resources available to families who are curious about safe, safe sleep practices? How do they contact you guys? Well, it's not just Healthy Start. Okay. We have so many agencies in the county that are passionate about safe sleep. We have a safe sleep task force, which is a bunch of community partners. We meet um, the second Thursday of every month at 3 p.m. via Zoom. And we come up with uh, what can we do mm. to reduce sleep-related deaths. And we have proclamations in the month of October through the county, through the cities. In uh, Polk County, we do the local cities. In Hardy and Highlands, we just do the county uh, proclamations. Mm -hmm. And that pretty much just bring awareness to our, our um, community partners, our government agencies, et cetera, to know that this is an important issue because October is uh, Safe Sleep Awareness Month. Yeah. Uh, who else we work with? We work with all of the hospitals and the health departments. We have crib models at these sites. And crib models mean it's a crib, the baby's in there, nothing else. And behind the baby is um, a poster board. And on the poster board is the ABCs of safe sleep, a long back crib for every sleep position. Mm -hmm. And then on the other board is no bumper pads, no pillows, no smoking, everything we've talked about, no yeah. other people. Um, you can put your baby in light clothing. They don't need blankets, you know, and those type of um, things. Gotcha. Okay. And then at the coalition, because yeah. I forgot the most important part uh, is our Beds for Babies project. This project has been around for about 14 years now. Oh, wow. And it was created because through FEMA, fetal infant mortality, that families didn't have a safe sleep environment. Mm. And so that's why they were co-sleeping. Yeah. They just now, didn't have access yes, to it. Yes. So now they get a brand new pack and play. Wow. Fit two fitted sheets. We give them a swaddler to put the baby in, a book, uh, safe and snug. Yes. Oh, nice. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's wonderful. So there, there are organizations out there. There are resources for parents who would say, "I just didn't even have the the pack and play. I didn't have something to put my baby in." Got it. Um, that's great. So healthy. And how do we, as a parent, how do I get in contact with you guys? So a healthy start. You can um, go to our Facebook page and like us, of okay. course. Make that shameless plug. <laughs> or you can go to our website, Healthy Start HHP, which stands for Hardy Highlands and Polk. Dot org, and you can um, make a referral through there. Or you can call us at eight six three. 534-9224 and Nina Clark is over our uh, Beds for Babies project gotcha. and she'll walk you through the process and to reduce duplication of services we keep a database. Ultimately we don't want any baby to have an unsafe sleep environment so if you've had a crib from us before oftentimes we'll still give you one okay. and this project is funded through the Florida Citrus Growers uh, grant Give well of Lakeland. Wonderful. Giving well and living well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that kind of goes in with it. <laughs> All right. So I don't want to leave out our families who have experienced loss. And like you said, we're not here to condemn. We're not here to shame. What are resources available for our community um, to come together and be that support for them, for grief counseling? What are those resources that you've probably in the past recommended to these families? Excellent question. Um, and it's so fitting because September is pregnancy and infant loss, and then November is prematurity awareness. So safe sleep falling right between those two mm -hmm. months make it so critical to share with our families, to talk about it, mm -hmm. to, to don't hold it in. Yeah. 
And so we, re we refer to Peace River Center. It's one of our big agencies here in the Tri-County area. Um, Lakeland Regional Health is opening up a new behavioral center, so we are going to definitely utilize those services. In Highlands County, we use some of the local mental health counselors over there we refer to. Hardy County, unfortunately, don't have as many resources as we would like or recommend, but we do use Central Florida Healthcare. They have behavioral specialists on site. Um, we partner with them. And then we just do some of the just local therapies. Uh, therapist, excuse me, um, here in the counties. Okay, that's wonderful. Well, I'm glad to hear that there is something available and that there are resources out there available for those families. Um, Tanya, thank you for being here today. I appreciate all the information that you have given us. And um, I look forward to just seeing you continue to train. I look forward to hearing about those trends, um, hearing about that research that can help arm us with how we, re we can give um, research to our families to, to help you know, prevent something that is 100% preventable. Agreed. Thank you, Natalia and Hartley, for having this awesome podcast. Awesome. Thank you for listening to Heartland for Children's Let's Talk About It podcast. There is a great need for foster families who are willing to open their hearts and homes to teens, sibling groups, and children with special needs. To learn more, check out the description for resources or visit heartlandforchildren.org.